What's up, Format listeners? I hope everybody enjoyed their NBA All-Star Weekend more than I did, but we'll get to that. This week, we talk a little NFL, a couple of quick draft notes, then my thoughts on the NBA All-Star Weekend and the remainder of the season heading into the playoffs and beyond. Then, I've got a special interview with University of North Florida basketball star Noah Horkler. We talk about his life, his path to UNF, his influences, his hopes for the future, and more. So sit back, relax, and listen up to episode 16 of The Format. I'm not going to do much NFL talk here this week. Combine hasn't happened yet, and obviously the season is over on the field. So this is a bit of a downtime. Scouts and front offices are working overtime, getting ready for the draft process and preparing for next season and all the moves that they have to make in hopes of making their team more successful if they weren't successful already this past season. That's pretty much everybody except the Patriots, right? If you didn't win the Super Bowl, for the most part, you weren't successful. So you've got some tweaks and moves to make. And even if you did, you probably still want to make some adjustments, being that you always have to deal with salary cap ramifications, injuries, uh, free agency, so on and so forth. The storyline that I'm most interested in watching coming up pretty soon here is probably Kyler Murray, where he gets drafted and what his NFL future is and how that all works out. I think one of the other things that kind of stood out to me was the projection of Ohio State defensive lineman Nick Bosa going number one overall to Arizona. Honestly, I really don't know if I like that. I think the Cardinals just have so many needs. If they decide that they want to stick with Josh Rosen, who I've said numerous times for Cliff Kingsbury's uh, spread offense air raid system is just square peg round hole, I don't think he fits, but... You drafted him high, you paid him the money, so maybe it's too early to get rid of him and maybe you try to make it work. But if they do decide to keep him, he needs a lot of protection up front from a very porous offensive line. Also, for Cliff Kingsbury's air raid system, they're going to need weapons on the outside. So these are all things that they have to look for. Obviously, the defense isn't great either. So as we said, the Cardinals have needs all over the place. And I don't know that getting Nick Bosa is a big plugger of one of those major holes. Also, we have to look at the fact that he's kind of injury prone on the collegiate level. So we don't know what he's going to be on the NFL level in terms of being able to stay healthy or not. Now, it could be said that once he has NFL quality strength and conditioning trainers and he has nothing else to worry about but focusing on his body and being in position to stay healthy that he may do better at that but we just don't know so I don't know for me if number one overall is the place where you want to take that guy 
Or if you're the Cardinals, do they trade down, trade the pick down for more picks to be able to address multiple needs earlier in the draft? I think there's a lot to take into consideration here. And um, it's going to be very interesting to, to kind of see what they do and how they handle it. Or if Cliff Kingsbury even, you know, pushes for pulling the trigger on a Rosen trade to try and get Kyler Murray in his system. I guess we just got to wait and see. There's a lot to look at here. And uh, that's the NFL for this week. So this weekend was the NBA All-Star Game in Charlotte. In my opinion, the best thing about it was the Jordan Week lead-up culminating in the GOAT's birthday on Sunday. And for those of you who are LeBron lovers, yes, I said the GOAT, as in the greatest of all time. LeBron is not that guy, but I digress. But in my opinion, overall, the All-Star weekend just wasn't great. I mean, the part I enjoyed the most was probably the three-point shootout with the Curry brothers facing off. That was the event that I looked forward to the most, and, you know, I, I enjoyed it. They really had some great shooters out there on the floor for that particular contest. And honestly, I, I was surprised that Joe Harris of the Nets won it. I confess that I don't watch a lot of Nets basketball and I was unaware of what a great shooter that guy is. Prior to the event, I had kind of picked Buddy Heald as the sleeper to go in there and um, upset the field. I definitely was shocked to see Seth Curry not even make it out of the first round, though. That was something. I wouldn't have been surprised at all if I'd have seen, um, you know, a, a Steph Curry, Seth Curry face-off for the title. But it is what it is. Um, so congrats to Joe Harris. Great shooting display. Uh, Buddy Heald also had a great shooting display in that first round, but uh, couldn't get it done later on. So it is what it is. Uh, as for the dunk contest, there was a time when the dunk contest was just a glamour event of All-Star Weekend, but that time is gone. I just was completely underwhelmed. I won't get too much into it. I kind of talked about it last week on uh, my other show, The Dribble Handoff with Chase and Bruce. But again, I was really disappointed to see that the contest was full of names that, for the most part, I really didn't know. Like, you've got to be a really diehard, in-deep NBA fan to know a lot of the names, other than maybe like Dennis Smith Jr., of the guys who competed in that thing. Like I said, that used to be the glamour event of the weekend, but overall, the lack of star power in the slam dunk contest now is really sad. It's just gotten sad, and honestly, we know why. The biggest names no longer compete in the dunk contest, but I, I guess it is what it is. Yeah, 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 I know. Old man, get off my lawn. That's what some of my younger listeners are probably saying right now, but... I think if, if you'd have come up in the era that I came up in, seeing the dunk contests as they used to be, with some of the biggest names in the league competing, you kind of would understand and, and maybe uh, reminisce and, and miss those days. But, you know, we got what we got now. And if you're the NBA, then obviously, you know, you have to you have to push that and and, you know, you, you have to make it a thing. But just, again, the lack of star power is it's almost disgraceful, if I want to be honest. You know, I'll just say there's nothing wrong with missing an incarnation of something that was actually better. 
I'm not really sure what the NBA is going to be able to do about it or what direction it's going, whether it be the dunk contest or the All-Star weekend in general. I guess, you know, it's just going to continue to be what it is and uh, ratings may continue to fall. And at some point when the money starts becoming affected, then the NBA will step in and try to make some changes to make this thing better. As for the game itself, the league has for, you know, in its defense, the league has tried to make it better by changing the format and and having the draft with the top two vote-getters picking. And I think that idea in of itself was actually pretty cool. But for whatever reason, it hasn't made the on-court product any better. To me, it honestly seems like just that overall buddy-buddy nature of players nowadays is badly degrading the spirit of competition overall. Guys just don't seem to want to beat each other and really go at each other in the same ways that they used to. Like, It seems like for the most part, everybody likes each other. And with that, there's the lack of fire to really go out there and destroy somebody on the floor. And um, again, that that's something I miss also. You saw that in the regular season back in the day. And you saw that in the playoffs. And you saw it in the All-Star game. Guys really wanted to take that opportunity to show who was the best. And guys really wanted to win. Um, again, I don't know what the league itself would be able to do about that. But it's really degrading the product. And I don't know if that's generational i don't know if that's a product of the aauization of of youth level basketball and high school level basketball uh i don't know if it's a product of you know with the colleges recruiting and getting all these players that played together previously on the same teams etc but guys just don't want to go at each other anymore and it bothers me maybe if you put in some different rules in the all-star game itself uh, like, you know, you look at the NFL and they don't allow certain things in the Pro Bowl. Now, in the NFL example, that hasn't made the Pro Bowl better. It's made it worse. But maybe the NBA can kind of change the All-Star Game rules. And with that, who knows if it may make the All-Star Game itself better, right? I don't know. Maybe an idea is limiting the amount of threes that a team can take in the All-Star Game. Because really, it's almost looking like an overgrown three-point shootout. This last All-Star game, the two teams combined to shoot 167 three-point attempts. That's ridiculous. Most NBA games don't feature 167 shots, and you took 167 threes? I don't know. Maybe if you limited the amount of threes per team that they could take in the All-Star game, uh, it would force more mid-range jumpers and more attacks to the basket. And maybe, just maybe by extension of that rule, you get more guys actually trying to play some defense. It's a thought, but then again, on the flip side of that, you can say, hey, if guys don't play defense all year anyway, what makes you think they're going to try to play it in the All-Star game, right? But theoretically, the All-Star game is supposed to be the best of the best, so maybe they would, but I I don't know. I guess you can't put competitive fire in a guy if it's not already there, no matter what you do with the rules, so I'm just, uh, I'm disturbed. I really don't know what they could do. Hopefully, they can come up with something. Who knows? It just... You know, it just seems, again, like the game has become a glorified three-point shooting and dunk contest. Now, speaking of dunk contest, if all these guys in the All-Star game can make all these amazing and fantastic dunks in the All-Star game itself, 
Why can't they get into the dunk contest? Something to think about. Maybe the league should start, quote unquote, suggesting that a few of the elite athletic players in the NBA compete in the dunk contest. I think it would help bring some some legitimacy and and some of the greatness back to that event, which, as I said before, used to be the banner event of the weekend. The ratings for this particular All-Star game, the one that just passed, was actually at a five-year low. Overall, NBA ratings on TV locally are at a low. And TNT is also down for the NBA for the whole season. I mean, overall, this is a problem. And, you know, a lot of that, again, has to do with the overall lack of competition. But uh, the NBA won't admit this, but it really is a real thing if you look at the numbers. But I'm going to stop whining about it. That's just my take on the All-Star game and the All-Star weekend. I just hope that, you know, for the sake of basketball fans, that it gets better sometime in the future. But honestly, I really don't see it because the NBA is making plenty of money. Even though the, the TV ratings are down a little bit, they're still making plenty of money. Social media makes up a, a big part of their marketing. So that's, you know, theoretically less money that they actually have to spend on marketing because the players are doing a big part of it for them. And, uh, you know, as long as that continues to happen and you can pull in the casual fan, then you'll be okay. Because obviously leagues don't market to the diehards and the more advanced fans. They market to the casual fans, but so be it. Anyway... Thursday night, this coming Thursday, the NBA season starts back up and it's basically the last 25 games or so that that sprint uh, for the drive to the playoffs. Watching seating is going to be really cool. I'm looking to see how how all that shakes out and where everybody lands, both in the East and the West. The East playoffs, I truly believe, are going to be so compelling, Uh, but we'll get into that in a later episode. Honestly, for me, though, what I'll be watching is whether or not the Lakers make the playoffs. And if they do, will it be the eighth seed? Number one, as I've mentioned before, I'm a diehard Boston Celtics fan. So obviously, if they don't make the playoffs, that warms my heart. (laughs) And um, if they do make the playoffs and they make it at the eighth seed, that also warms my heart because they'll be running into the buzzsaw known as the Golden State Warriors. So this is great. The big question here, though... If they don't make the playoffs, or even if they do, and they get smoked by Golden State in the first round, will that be an indictment of LeBron? I think it would be, although something tells me that excuses will be made, right? As usual, he didn't have enough help, or maybe this time it'll be, oh, he wasn't at 100% healthy. Uh, You know, they're going to come up with something. For me... I think it's going to be the exact opposite because for those few of us who've been saying all these years that LeBron took advantage of a weak Eastern Conference and were soundly rebuffed by claims of a false goat, it sure would be interesting if it turned out that as soon as he came to the West, LeBron either didn't make the playoffs or got bumped really early. That would be what I like to call empirical evidence. So, I'm like 50 cent on this one. Patiently waiting. But uh, I think the pretty much foregone conclusion on the season is that the Golden State Warriors are going to be winning their third straight championship and their fourth in five years. The major intrigue, though, is is there anyone, anyone in the East 
who can upset this apple cart because I, I don't think anyone in the West is going to beat them in a seven-game series, right? And if there's no one who can upset the apple cart, how many games is it actually going to take the champs to three-peat? I'm almost more excited to wait for after the season, though, to see all the free agent moves and what the NBA looks like for next season than I am to see the remainder of this season. Because, you know, we've got some big names that's out there going to be able to move. And I also want to hear what's going to be the excuse for the LeBron people if a new season starts in L.A. and they haven't been able to bring any of these big name free agents to play with him. Are the LeBron people going to blame the Lakers organization or are they finally going to wake up and realize they don't want to play with your guy? So I'm sitting back, I'm waiting, I'm being patient, and I think either way is going to work out well for me. So I'm, I'm pretty excited for the rest of the way. I'm excited for off-season free agency and I'm excited for next season. So we'll definitely talk about this some more in the coming weeks. Obviously, we'll watch uh, how everybody goes down the uh, final 25 or so game stretch. Uh, watch as Golden State probably rounds into form and see who in the East may emerge as a truly viable threat to maybe upset these guys and put a little excitement back into the NBA season. March Madness is getting close with conference tournaments right around the corner. And after that, the big dance. We're going to find out if a Cinderella can cause a major upset this season, like St. Joe's magical Final Four run last year, or will a college basketball Goliath be at the top again when it's all said and done? My money's on Zion Williamson and Duke, but that's why you play the games, right? But we have time to get into that. For this week, though, I wanted to share with you a sit-down that I had with a Division I player you probably don't know. I'm going to spotlight University of North Florida forward Noah Horkler, who leads the Ospreys in scoring at just over 16 a game and rebounds at 9. Last year, he was the A-Sun Conference Newcomer of the Year, as well as All-Conference Second Team. So without further ado, here's my talk with Noah Horkler. Thank you for sitting with me today so we can kind of talk. I'm here with the star leading scorer and rebounder of the UNF men's basketball team, Noah Horkler. Tell me a little bit about yourself, your experience growing up, where you're from, that kind of thing. Well, I'm just from a small beach town, Melbourne, Florida. Okay. Just, we we always used to play basketball outside on the, yeah. we had a court outside where everyone would just meet up on the weekends and stuff. That's pretty much where I played most of my basketball growing up, other than like the little rec leagues around town, things like that. But that's pretty much our our proving ground around there. Like everyone that's really good mm -hmm. that would come and play for our high school team, they were always out there pretty much every most days, most okay. weekends. So all right, that's cool. so you're six eight, right? Yeah. Are your parents tall too? Yeah, my mom is five eleven. That's what everyone yeah, says I get from. Woman, yeah. yeah, and my dad's six four. Okay, yeah, that's funny. Cool. I would I would love to have been six eight, but that's not for everybody. That's true. Yeah, my brother's actually six six too. He's, okay. Yeah, but he doesn't play ball. Or I was anything. about to ask, does he hoop too? Yeah, no, he's growing growing up in the V town. He just surfs and skates pretty much, just like my dad. Okay. My dad's just a surfer. Yeah, that's cool. So, um, how long have you been playing <laughs> basketball? 
I mean, as long as I can remember, really. I remember my first league, I was probably six, six years old, I would say. I've just been playing ever since. So it's it's a game you say that you've kind of loved since you picked it up and started oh, yeah. playing it? For sure. I mean, I, I played baseball for 10 years, too. Okay. And I remember going into high school, my dad was pretty much just like, you should pick one, just focus prim uh -huh. like primarily on one, and I just ended up sticking with basketball. Okay. And I just loved it more, just had right. more passion for the game. Were you always taller than, than um, like the other kids, or did you have a spurt? or? Yeah, I'm, I was probably... I was six foot in the ninth grade, so I would always, yeah, that's, I mean, it's not as tall as you think. I was like 5'3 like, in the ninth grade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was always pretty, t like, pretty tall, mo okay. taller than most, but right. then one year, I remember, I just grew up, grew to like 6'6, six, six, and then everyone was like, wow, like, he's going to be something, something that's cool. else. Yeah, that was... That's cool. So, you said you guys started playing in, in that little court on your beach town area. Yeah. Were you always one of the better players out there? Or was that something that came I mean, with time? Yeah, it was time. I, I always played with the older guys, so they would mm -hmm. always beat, beat down on me a little bit because yeah. they were just bigger and stronger than me at the time. But I think it really helped just progress my game, just playing playing with all the guys that were already seniors when I was a freshman. Mm -hmm. So it was just a good learning experience. Okay. So tell me, Noah, about your, your high school experience as a player. How good were you? Did it take time for you to really start to flourish? Um, tell me about that. Yeah, I was on the freshman team as a freshman, just kind of learning my role, learning how to play the game like the right way, like mm -hmm. organized basketball, because it's a whole different game, obviously, right. coming up from the rec leagues and AAU, like all, all that to the high school game. And the coach always, he always, uh, he took me under his wing, like he taught me a lot of a lot of stuff. He's a really good coach, 500 plus wins in his career at Mill High, Melbourne High School. Yeah, and then I ended up making the varsity team the next year. Was it your sophomore year? Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then from then on, I just kept playing. And it was, right. It was awesome. But we were a really good team. I remember my senior year, we were 32-3, and three, I think. Wow. Yeah, okay. so we, we ended up going to the state Final Four. We beat uh, Bartow in the regional final game when they had Tony Bradley and all those guys. Okay. He's now in the Utah Jazz. Okay. So that was a huge, that was one of the biggest wins, I think, in our program history. Mm -hmm. And then we made it to the Final Four and ended up losing to, uh, what, what is the team? Down down in Miami. I forgot what they're in. But we, we ended up losing two points to them, but we still won a state championship there. Okay. So okay. that was tough. So let me ask you, in, in your high school experience, who was the best player that you played against? And how did you Ooh. fare playing against them? Uh, well, there was a few. I remember in our conference, there was two guys, Leron Smith and uh, and his brother, and they were they were really good. I think one one of them ended up going to Auburn. He's playing overseas now, and he was one. He was like six ten, a lot of bounce. He was one of the best players I ever played against. And obviously Tony Bradley in the league now. Mm -hmm. He's a he was a great player. He, right. I'm pretty sure he was Mr. Basketball in Florida. Okay, my senior year. Right. So definitely those guys. And what year was that? My senior year, it's 2016. Okay, got you. So when you were in high school, did you play multiple positions or did you play the three and the four? Uh, like I pretty much just or? played big man and center. I was okay. I was always just, because I was the biggest guy on our team. Right. So I just pretty much played in the post. 
that's that's why I went into the post game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, I like that that jump hook over the right shoulder. We see, we see that a lot when we watch it. So yeah. that definitely uh, that that experience in the post is is pretty obvious. Um, <clears throat> so tell me now, moving forward, about your recruiting experience. Did you have other schools in mind you wanted to play for? Were you heavily recruited? Tell me about that and how you ended up at UNF. Yeah, I wasn't. I was not heavily recruited at all. I pretty much my senior year, I had a couple D twos talking to me. I had a lot of D threes and like NAI schools. They were always calling me, but I was I was focused. I thought I could play at the D one level, obviously, mm-hmm. and so I would talk to my JUCO coach or my previous JUCO coach. He would always be. He would always message me and say, "Like we could get you to that next level if you need help there. Just come here for a year because I was already a qualifier. Okay, come here for a year and we could give you the exposure to go to a Division One school. Okay, so that was uh, our point guard at the time, Logan Folsom. I don't know if you heard of him, but he he went there uh, to Eastern Florida with me. He signed out of uh, Mill High. Okay, so it was like we kind of did it as like a little deal. We like still play together mm-hmm. in our hometown. So that was. That was really big for me, just to play with him again, because he's probably one of the best point guards I've played with for a while. And then Yvonne over here, but... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's cool. I think that's something that probably a lot of people didn't realize about you, is that you were a junior college transfer. Yeah. So um, that that's pretty good. And so in your, let's say your senior year of high school and then your year in junior college, what type of numbers did you put up? Do you uh, remember? I think in my senior year, I put up like... 18 and 10 some mm-hmm. something around that but my juco uh just that first year at juco i played probably 15 minutes a game something it was really everything was new for me like the whole team we were really good we went to the national championship game oh wow. for junior college yeah we ended okay. up losing to hutchinson college i remember it was a crazy game it was sold out one of the the first sold out game i ever played and the arena was packed mm. it was super loud that was a crazy experience, but I think I averaged five points, four rebounds there. Okay. Just we would we everyone would split minutes pretty much. Right. And we had one player, uh, Kareem. He would take most of the shots. He ended up going to Memphis. Okay. He's a really good player. Yeah. But it's just I I owe it all to Coach Shulman. Honestly, he got me here. He was the one that just paved the way for me. Awesome. So, how was your uh, recruitment experience to come to UNF? Well, once I talked to Coach D when he recruited me, I pretty much knew that I was going to come here. He was my first offer out of JUCO. Okay. So after that, I knew he trusted me because I didn't have any other D1 offers before him. All right. So I I just kind of fell in love with the school when I came and visited. It kind of reminded me of home. Okay. Just like the area. Like everyone here is just good vibes, honestly. Coach, all the coaches really were just interested in me and I just loved it. I really did. Cool. So how far um, is Jacksonville from Melbourne, Florida, for those like myself who aren't Florida natives? Yeah, it's about two and a half hours, just straight down 95, right. down south. That's not too bad. Yeah. Okay, so you can go home whenever you get a chance. Obviously <laughs> not during the season very yeah, much. Yeah, not very much, but some right. weekends. Okay, it's good. Here's a kind of a question for you. I'm going to ask you, like, tell me who is your greatest influence, first as a person and then as a player, who are your greatest influences? Oh, as a person, it's going to have to be my dad. Yeah. Just because he just taught me how to stay humble from a young age. He always would preach that to me. And he 
pretty much taught me my work ethic, just how to really grind for it whenever I want it. Like that's the only way pretty much to get it. He's always supported me, my whole family, they're super supportive. So I love him for that. And then as a player, I would have to say, like you mean uh, like a player? like Yeah, like um, who is a player that you watch a lot, kind of model yourself after? Because I've seen you do some things, so I have a guy in mind, but I want to hear. Dirk? Yes, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's exactly what yeah. I was going to say, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> definitely, I, I love watching him uh -huh. and his game, you know, that fadeaway. I love doing that shot. <laughs> that's so funny because the very first time I saw you play, the first game I covered for you guys, um, I saw you shoot the one-legged fadeaway, and I, I put that in my article, the, yeah. the Dirk-esque one-legged fadeaway, and that got edited out. I was pretty upset, but <laughs> that was the first thing that came to me. Yeah, I mean, I loved his game. I always mm -hmm. watched him growing up. My cousins, I remember, they're all, they all played basketball, actually, my cousins, mm -hmm. but they would always, I remember, what was it? It was the Miami Heat, Dallas Mavericks, like 2006, I think when Dirk won yep. the NBA championship, yeah. Yep. So after, I, I remember watching that game and I pretty much fell in love with him. Like, I just loved the way he played the game. Like, No, 06 actually, uh, the Heat beat, beat the Mavericks, the Mavericks right. and I want to say 2011, I think, they won it. the Mavericks yeah. beat the Heat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. But I, yeah. Yeah, there was that game I remember mm -hmm. watching him and it was just, I just love right. the way you play the game. It was just pretty cool. Okay. Yeah, we de we definitely can see that when we watch you play. That's <laughs> yeah. so funny. Um, are there any other players that, that have heavily influenced your playing style or that you take things from on the court? Uh, I also liked Kevin Garnett a lot mm. just because I love his like energy. That. Yeah, just the way he played the game, like rebounding-wise. Yeah. yeah. Just kind of like he was a dog on the court, you know, just mm -hmm. getting after it. I just kind of like – I kind of like being like that too. Yeah. Just I just like once between those lines, you just got to go all out. So I agree. And you know what? Again, watching you—that's that's something that we see. Because there's even times we'll we'll be watching the game and we'll see maybe your shots not falling, but then we look up and you've got ten rebounds into the third, and then the shot starts falling. So you, you know you're kind of doing the other things. You get a couple of blocks. You're doing the other things, and then the scoring kind of picks up. So um, we definitely can see those type of influences in in the way you play. So would you say then that Dirk being your biggest influence, he's also your favorite player? I think my favorite player is probably LeBron James. But, <laughs> but I would say, yeah, right. he's definitely one of my favorite players. Okay. So do you have a favorite basketball team, NBA? Uh, it was the Miami Heat for a while. Mm -hmm. Just I, I also really like Dwayne Wade. He's, okay. a, he's one of my favorite players, too. Right. I couldn't really say I have a favorite team or favorite uh -huh. player, really, because it's always changing, you know? So yeah. I always like... I wouldn't say bandwagon, but I was like different teams here and there. Yeah, and I'll tell you that's so funny because I guess it's indicative of generation. I'm I'm older than you, and so it seems like uh, your generation is more attached to the player than they are to the organization. Like I'm a Boston yeah. Celtics fan. I've been that since I was eight years old. Right. right? So. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm, so I'm not a big LeBron fan then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not a huge LeBron fan at all. Yeah. But uh, that's cool. So we, we kind of talked about Dirk and KG and those being guys that you model your game after. So, of course, as a hooper, I got to ask you, what do you think of the LeBron-Michael Jordan debate? Oof, it's tough. I mean... Have you ever... You've never actually seen Mike play, right? I, I mean, I've seen... Enough. Yeah, I've like seen like footage like, of yeah. him play, like okay. old games that used to run on like ESPN, right. U, or yeah, just yeah. back then, but... Classic. Yeah, yeah. classic. That's, yeah. yeah. But uh, 
I, I think it's hard to compare them really just because mm-hmm. it's how Michael Jordan used to play. I mean, they're obviously different players. Yeah. Like, so I, I don't know. It's it's hard to say, really, mm-hmm. like to say which one's truly the best player of all time. So I, I just think they're in yeah. different categories, really. I don't think it's hard to say. You think MJ? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah. I do. But what about when LeBron breaks the uh, scoring record? Yeah. Number one in so, scoring all time. So yeah. no, I don't think he's going to do that. Really? Yeah. Because, I mean... You have to look at the big gap there is between third, which he's going to be in the next couple of games here. The gap between third and first is like, I think it's like six or 7,000 points. So it's a huge gap. It's not, you know, as easy to climb between those three as it was, you know, coming up the chart. So yeah, they said it would be like six more years. Or something, yeah, it, something. it would take a while. And then that's providing that he doesn't physically degrade. I mean, he's a human being, right? Yeah. I just look at me personally. They, I think the errors are so different. Guys really don't defend now the way they used to. Yeah. There's very little rim protection the way they used to be. So, you know, I get it definitely that you've grown up watching LeBron. You didn't get to grow up watching Mike. I've seen yeah, exactly. them both. So it is what it is. Yeah. So back to you on the college basketball. Was there a college basketball team you grew up rooting for? Uh, yeah, the Hurricanes, actually. Okay, so was, right. We so played them last year, yeah, and yeah. So it was pretty... That was surreal for you? Yeah, it was, that was one of the games I was like, wow, this is pretty crazy. Right, right. right. So you, you played them at Miami, Yeah, right? Miami in the arena. Okay. How, how was that being there. in there? Uh, it was awesome. Just every arena that we get to play in mm-hmm. is pretty... It's just, I, I don't take it for granted. Every time I walk into yeah. gym, I'm just taking it all in every day. Right. I'm just lucky to be here. Honestly, it's just a blessing. It really is. That's cool. So that was going to be my next question. Tell me what are some of the most, what you feel are some of the most amazing places you've had the privilege to play college basketball in terms of like different arenas and stuff. Uh, That road trip last year, the first road trip, Michigan State, Michigan. We played number one Michigan State. That was amazing. My first D1 game ever (laughs) sold out Michigan State Arena. Yeah. That was that was a crazy one, and then we go and play the almost national champions, Michigan. Yeah, that was also amazing. The arena, all those high major arenas, right. are beautiful. Like, so you massive. matched up against uh, what's the kid's name? Um, Wagner. Yes. Yeah, yeah. How was that playing against him? What kind of matchup was that for you? Uh, he's really skilled, big guy. Mm-hmm. Six, he's like six ten, I think. Mm-hmm. Probably, he probably weighs like twenty, thirty more pounds than me. Okay, so he's a strong dude. So it was like my second game, D one. So I was kind of still like a little bit shell shocked yeah. coming out. So I feel like if I had another chance to play against him, it would be different. Go at him, huh? Yeah, yeah, it'd be different. But okay. did you put up any numbers against him, or it was kind uh, of... yeah, I think I had a du- almost a double double. Okay, I'm pretty sure. That's not bad. That's not bad. That's really cool. So. What what would be your your dream game, your dream arena to play in? Cameron Crazy, Chapel Hill. Yeah, one of those, Kansas Duke. Yeah, right. I mean, playing in Florida, that was a really cool arena. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. Michigan State, mm-hmm. honestly, that could be up there too. We already played there. Mm-hmm. There's so many. There really is just so many. What do you think, um, realistically, is the state – of the UNF program. I saw you guys were on a tough skid, six in a row, but now you've bounced back. You've won three in a row, looking for that momentum heading into the conference tournament mm-hmm. and hopefully punching an NCAA tournament bid. What do you think is the state of, of the team right now, first and foremost, and then of the program going forward? Yeah, we got down on ourselves a little bit, obviously, with mm-hmm. the six-game 
losing streak, but yeah, we that's tough. yeah we we were down a little bit after especially after that Lipscomb loss. We knew yeah. we had to, we knew we had to snap back. Like that is definitely not how we should be playing that the mm-hmm. game. We should never lose like that ever right. to any team. But once we beat uh, UNA, we just felt I feel like the whole the whole locker room is different energy now. Mm-hmm. Everyone's a lot more upbeat. We're ready to go. Right. So we're just looking forward to JU. Because I game. haven't, I haven't beat them yet. Yeah. I tell you, you got to do it. You got to do it. That that last one, obviously, I was here. I covered that last one, and that was that, that, was, that was tough. Mm-hmm. And you know, being media, you're trying to be objective, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, <laughs> you know, so it it definitely was tough. Obviously, oh, yeah. you know, Spinnaker Media, so we're we're rooting for you guys, of course. Yeah. But um, yeah. So that that's a big game this week, and and hopefully you guys uh, go out there and get the win. Yep. And give artists that loss in his own house. <laughs> That'd be nice, yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, since we lost to them twice last year, mm-hmm. obviously lost to them earlier. So I'm just excited to go out and play against them again. Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good one. What's it like playing for Coach Driscoll? He just seems like just a fireball of energy all the time. Tell me about playing for him. I just think he's a great leader. He really fires us up like every, every time in the locker We just want to play for him. We want to win for him. He's just really good at getting us going. He's an amazing he prepared he the way he prepares us for the games, scouting wise and everything, we're always prepared, so we should be out there. We should know what we're doing. So he always tells us we don't listen as well as we should. Right. I think he's definitely right because we shouldn't we should have a way different season, I feel like, this year than what we've had. Okay. We should have been better, but we've still got a a little bit to go. These last three games, if we could take care of them, then we're right there up and maybe third place. Mm-hmm. So we're just ready to get some home games and yeah. string some together. Okay. You personally, what do you think is your future in basketball? You think you have an option to maybe think about maybe the G League or overseas or, you know, hopefully yeah. push, 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 and maybe get a shot at the NBA one day. Tell me a little something about that. Yeah, I'm – I mean, I'm going to ride it out as long as it can go, mm-hmm. as long as I can play until someone tells me I can't. Yeah. Like, whatever contract they put in front of me, I'm willing to, I'm willing to take it. I'm taking – I'll take anything. Right, like, right. Anyone that offers me a chance to play. Like, I've mm-hmm. I've pretty much not – I wouldn't say I've been doubted, but I just feel like every time I've gotten an opportunity, I've taken advantage of it. Okay. So, have you, have you thought about the option, the opportunity, the, the chance of playing overseas? Oh, yeah. I would definitely play overseas, like, if I get the opportunity, I would definitely willing to take it. Right. Jumping back real quick, uh, we mentioned you guys were on a tough skid six in a row. And something I noticed, um, Coach kind of shuffled the starting lineup a bit to maybe give you guys a different spark, a different energy, or um, yeah. maybe some extra punch off the bench. How do you guys feel that worked out for you? Uh, how did you react to it? Did it take some getting used to? Tell me a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, I, I think it worked out pretty good for the – games that we did it uh, coach recently just shuffled the lineup back right. so so it's uh normal again but mm-hmm. yeah whatever we can do just to maybe we did need a new look for a couple games just to like get our head our head, minds back because obviously we weren't there those last six games so yeah yeah that's good okay so um i guess we'll go ahead and, and wrap this up so here's an interesting question for you it could be basketball it could be non-basketball tell me What's something that your extended UNF family doesn't know about Noah Horkler? Oh, boy, my extended UNF family? Yeah, like all of us Ospreys out here who, who watch you play, who's a fan of yours, who see you walking on campus or see you in class. 
What's something that we don't know about you? Oh, I'd say I'm just a really down earth guy. I just like being with my friends, hanging out with everybody, you know, going to the beach on the weekends, relaxing. To go out fishing sometimes, you know, just pretty. I'm just down to earth, really. It's a pretty generic answer. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, I don't really have that much going on. It's just basketball and just hanging out, pretty much. All right. Well, I guess that that pretty much um, wraps up this interview. Thank you so much again for taking the time to sit down with me. We'll um, we're definitely rooting for you. We're rooting for your personal success as well as the success of the Ospreys. Definitely. And um, you know, let's keep this winning streak going. Definitely beat JU. Yeah, that's yes, a must. Yes, <laughs> so um, and that's Jacksonville University, the uh, UNF rival cross town here. So definitely beat JU, oh, yeah. and let's continue this streak and, and try to get hot going into the conference tournament, and, and who knows what could happen from there. Exactly, yeah. Thank you. All right. So that's it for this week. No Bruce breakdown. We'll just uh, leave you on that awesome interview with Noah Horkler. Thanks for listening this week. Appreciate it. Again, as always, if you want to get at me, you know what you can do. You can hit me on Twitter, at Bruce F.A. Hope. That's at Bruce F.A. Hope. Or you can hit me on Instagram, at The Format Podcast, at The Format Podcast. Uh, leave your thoughts. Tell me if I was wrong on something. You agree, disagree. Put me on to something I didn't know. Suggest topics for next week's show. Or just shoot the breeze. I'm always uh, happy to do that. Uh, so definitely show me some love there. Also, if you're listening on uh, Apple Podcasts or iTunes, please, please rate and review, rate and review so I can know uh, how how you guys are feeling about the show so you can let other people know how you're feeling about the show. And if you have uh, friends, fam, acquaintances, whoever that you know are sports fans, put them onto the pod. Let them hear it. Let's try to grow this thing so we can keep it coming and I can keep giving you that uh, official sports talk every week, all right? So thanks again for listening. Uh, This is Bruce, and I'm out.